Welcome. Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights. Another episode. I'm here with Rich Klein, who's been uh, a wonderful guest already. We're going to record an episode today about Tom Seaver. But before we get started with that, a shout out to our sponsors. We've got some great sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike's Stadium Sport Cards, Panini, Tops, and Upper Deck. A great group. Please patronize them. They have great products and services, and we appreciate their support, and I hope you'll support them. So, welcome, Rich. Thanks for having me, Jim. Tom Seaver, you're, you were a Met fan, right? I'm actually more of a Yankee fan, but growing up in New York in the 60s and 70s. Well, 69, did you switch your loyalty just even for 69 or 73? In a way, yes, especially 73, because that was such a miracle year getting there, because they were in last place going into like September 1st, and all of a sudden, Tug McGraw, you got to believe, and Seaver was the ace of that staff, and they had Jerry Kuzman and John Matlack, and... They rode a wave, and they almost beat a much better team in the World Series, right. and they beat a better team in the NL Championship Series in the Cincinnati Reds with that infamous fight between Pete Rose and Bud Harrelson. And it was quite an interesting situation yeah. because many years later, about four years later, Pete Rose and Tom Seaver become teammates on the Cincinnati Reds. <laughs> on the Reds, right, in 77. What, uh, well, let's, let's get to Tom Seaver, and we're... This is uh, Sports Card Insights. So what uh, what insights do we want to converse about with respect to uh, Tom Terrific? Well, the most important one is his rookie card, number 581 along with Bill Dennehy. And that's a really tough card. That's a very That was always an incredibly popular card in the New York area because I was a dealer until I came to work for, for you in 1990, and I was a dealer in the New York area. And that was one card you rarely, if ever, saw because collectors just snapped it up. So, uh, comparing to Carew, are you saying it was short printed compared to Carew? Oh, it's much shorter printed. I never had trouble getting, especially before the world, the price guys really took over. I, I wish I had bought a lot of them. I could find Carew rookies for 75 cents all day long in the late 70s, you know, 77, 78. Seaver rookie, you couldn't find cheap at any price. I, I, uh, I never had a big problem with that, although the, the 67 high numbers were tough. Just in their own right, I remember having the most difficulty with Brooks Robinson, card number six hundred. But but the Tom Seaver was I will grant you a little bit tougher. And I had uh, I actually had you know when I was before I was doing price guides, one of the foundations of of uh, knowledge that I got. You can't go to school and learn about cards. You learn by buying collections and by being at shows and interacting with other uh, experienced dealers, but. Back in the day, back in the 70s, at one point, I, I found myself, I was st- standing near the entrance of, it was the Kansas City show. So I'm there, and I'm talking with a guy, and we're just ready to go in. I had a table. This other guy, I don't know that he had a table or not, but I was just taking a break, and this guy walks in with a with a box, a big box. <laughs> and he said, would you be interested in buying these? And I said, well, probably what's in there? He said, well, they're just some old cards, and... You know, I, I just I just want to sell them. And I and I tried to excuse myself from the friend that I was talking to. And he said, no, I've got nowhere to go. I think I'll just look and see what's in this box, too. So 
So let's go over here in the lobby and, and uh, show us what's in there. Well, it's all 66 and 67 tops high numbers. And they're from a kind of a cut case. They, they weren't in packs. He is uncle or someone had been a grocery store person or something. They were the, the end of the year stuff that he'd, that he'd had for at that point, maybe 10 years. So there wasn't, it's was probably in the 77 or something like that. So all of a sudden now, I apparently have a partner in acquiring these cards. And he said, I, but the thing is that seven, that the high numbers, especially before I came to work in Beckett became almost like we know what 70, 67 high numbers are tough. Yeah. And I even knew that from my early dealing days, yeah. that especially because the Mets were such a collectible team in the eighties after they started getting good, right. that the short print high numbers and the Sandy Alomars of the world in 67 yeah. and the 66 Choo Choo Coleman, all those cards were very, you know, you could, you could buy, you could sell them immediately. And well, there weren't enough to go around. There weren't enough to go there around. A legitimately uh, shorter supply. What do you, what do you think about this? I was looking at the OPG at the price guide online for uh, Beckett Media and uh, they, I shouldn't say they, but the the price for the OPG 68 and the top 68 we're both sixty dollars. The OPG card is much harder. It's much harder, but, but I, it's less. So much. But less a lot less demand, but it's still uh, that 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 was interesting to me. I think again, it's a the interplay between supply and demand in Canada versus the U.S. It's essentially the same. It's uh, I guess from a distance you could perhaps recognize the back being different slightly, but the front. I the front's different too, because it's a different shade of like different gray. shade of the brown. It's a different the, shade the of the brown. But what's also interesting is the sixty-nine is probably as popular as the sixty-eight because that's the first because, miracle year. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a little later in the set, so it's not, let's say, it's not a hard card, but it's not a super easy card. It's just a normal printed sixty-nine card. Um another card that was listed in the OPG was this nineteen sixty-nine Boy Scout. That's a tough and card. And that is really tough. It's listed at two hundred bucks, but I'm wondering, did I buy that when when we were going around looking for type cards? It's either you or me that bought it. One of us got that because we had one. We didn't have Seaver, I don't think. But it might have been Mel Stoudemire or something. I think Yankees and Mets uh, in the area, uh, a Boy Scout promotion. I bought you some good stuff back then. I know, I know. And that's uh, uh, another one that was interesting was the Dayton Daily News. Well, and that's interesting and, because those are newspapers. Well, they're newspaper, they're, but they were, I mean, Dayton was a kind of a collecting hotbed, kind of a, a northern, not a suburb of Cincinnati, but but, but a city in uh, southwestern Ohio. And they're numbered. They're numbered. They're not blank back. They're, they've got newspaper on the back. They're, they're flimsy. But uh, you can get them graded, and, and uh, I think they're nice collectibles. Are they cards? The, the jury's kind of out on that. But they've they were been, in the first sports collector's Bible. They've we been can, in the sports collector's Bible. We considered, them, we considered them collectible in the mid-70s. Well, when you read about, when you see something like that, and then you think, well, I, I want that. It's on my want list. And then you see it, and you think, oh, it was cut out of a newspaper. And yet it was intended to be cut out and collected because they were numbered and, and all that. At any rate, I don't know that we're going to resolve that today. But Seaver's in that. He's only 10 bucks. That, that would that's be. A, that's for that would seem like a, that's a bargain. Uh, seem like a bargain. Uh, he's, I, I think his cards are not strong now. What do you attribute that to? I think it's the fact that he's not been in the public eye. And now that his health is failing, he's really not going to be in the public eye. 
and he didn't really set any records. He won his 300 games in his career. He's a great pitcher. He pitched in New York. But the collective memory about Tom Seaver has faded. And as, He had a record. He had the highest vote total up to that time right, he, right. for the Hall of Fame. But he, our collective memory fades because for whatever reason, yeah. what he was then is not what he is now. And it does. Well, that's definitely he's, true. He's no, he's no, he's a great pitcher. He was the best pitcher. He and Jim Palmer were the best pitchers of his generation. And yet less people care about Jim Palmer cards than they do about Tom Seaver. And in the seventies, you could make an argument. Those were your two best pitchers in baseball for the decade. And maybe they never were overwhelmingly good during the seventies. They were just great every year, but they didn't have a year where they won 30 games you know, or, you know, they struck out 350 batters or whatever. Nolan Ryan may be better remembered because yeah. of all his strikeouts, but Seaver was probably a better pitcher. For putting the ball in his hand in a, in a game that was important in that time period. Exactly. The late 60s or early mid 70s. In fact, even what, what, would you, what, what happened in your area when he was traded in 77? Was that a shocker? That was a shocker in terms of, we sort of knew it was coming in terms of the fan base. Because, and the hobby really hadn't developed, so he was still very popular. He was still top of the heap, and you know, even with the Cincinnati. So even going to Cincinnati didn't really it, affect him. He still was yeah. he still was a top pitcher, and he yeah. was for a number of years. And after. it didn't affect his cards any. When he came back to New York, it was wonderful, and was you know always forgiven for yeah, those reds. But can you imagine if he had stayed with the Mets his whole career? I think that would have been a positive. It would have been a huge positive, and I think that might have even kept him more in front of the hobby than he is today. Yeah, I think the disease is is very insidious, and uh, we were talking. It's it's. Um, I think there's no known cure, and when you get into these dementia things, and I, I, I my my understanding is it's this Lewy body dementia, which is again just very debilitating, and it's just it's just. It just hurts to yeah. even think about that if you had a family member or, or again, yeah. like an iconic pitcher who was so at the top of his game yeah. for a long time, and now he's, he's uh, very compromised. You know, I've got a funny hobby story. And I was picking up my, old, my mentor in this business, Tom Reed, Tom got, a Reed. Col- got a collection of Dave Zimmerman stuff. And Dave Zimmerman was the number one Tom Seaver fan. And Mets collector. And Mets collector. And this yeah. is one of the few things in my life I wish I had said, Tom, I want to keep this. Zimmerman would send Tom all these stuff to get autographed. And there's this manila folder, like five or six items inside. And on the outside of the manila folder, and it's in Seaver's handwriting, please don't send me any more, anything more to sign ever. <laughs> and I really that wish I... That was from da- to David? That or, was to David or, Zimmerman. Not Tom. That was to David Zimmerman. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I, I wish I had kept that. I'm yeah. sure Tom just threw it away, but I'm thinking that you have to keep because that is just so... That was like, so, okay, I'm signing this. I'm honoring my commitment to you, but we're done. Actually, Rich, I, I don't think I have it anymore, but I got, a, I got something back. I used to send out for autographs in the mid-'70s, and I actually probably went over the line of sending too many or too frequently to somebody, and I got the Dear John letter back like that. Please do not. Because I'd, you know, I, 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 I didn't tell lies or anything. Say, hey, you're my favorite player. I can't, you know. I just said, hey, I'd really like to have your autograph. Here's some cards. Could you sign them and send them back? And uh, again, after, you know, I, I perhaps was the only guy in Bowling Green, Ohio, that was sending that player autograph requests. But for some reason, they remembered me, and it said, cease and desist. 
And I hope you honored it. I did. I did. Who was the player? I. This is, this is horrible because he's a really nice guy. It, it possibly was Brooks Robinson, which I'm just thinking, what did I do to offend Brooks? Brooks is the nicest guy. He's in the, the world. nicest guy. So maybe I was sending him too many or something. But uh, you know, that's 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 a long, long. That's what would that be? That's forty, 40, years 40 plus years ago. Forty, forty, forty four years ago. Perhaps he's forgiven me. I'm sure he has. If I he guarantee remembers. you if you send him stuff, he'll, yeah. he'll send it back. I think there may be a fee, but I'm sure he'll send them all back this time. Uh, what's going to happen when Tom Seaver dies? I mean, is there, Honestly, nothing. And I, and I mean this in, in 99% of these cases. it's When he passes, there'll be a brief bump in his interest mm-hmm. and in his cards. And then we'll, you know, then the cards will stabilize exactly where they are. So it's not... It's not like he's going to change his pricing at this point. He's, you know, no. if the world, you know, the only one that really might change are some of these really tough oddballs, yeah. you know, the, the 70s Deckle Edge, the 70s Comics, the 67 Rookie, you know, some of the really scarce oddball, the 71 Greatest Moments, things like that may, may continue to go up. But your average run of the mill cards will stay where they are. There's so many cards. If you really dig deep to try to get all the Tom Seaver cards, it, it, it'd be a pretty impossible task, I think. I mean, perhaps someone could do it. It'd take a lot of money, but more than that, it'd take a lot of sleuthing. Uh-huh. Now, I was just looking through the OPG and noticing there's, there's all kinds of MSA discs that are from a variety of years with a variety of different backs, and some of them are extremely tough, and some of them are extremely easy, and the average person you know, wouldn't know at, w- w- without doing some research, but... Can you imagine if you even tried to get all of those? Uh, I'll, I'll leave you with this 80s story. Um, I bought this collection. It had a whole bunch of Tom Seaver oddballs in it. And I borrowed the money from my dad, as I always did. And I sometimes I usually paid him back, but every once in a while, meh, I'll pay you back the next time. He, he was like all frustrated and says, I want my money back this time. And we had Mike Gordon's Parsippany show the next week. And I told a couple of us, come, I got some new Seaver stuff. Well, I got my money back like tri- triple fold by, the, by 10 o'clock. Hand my father the money, handed him some profit. He says, all right, anytime in the future you want money, you got it. <laughs> That's a happy ending. That's a good good note, positive note to end on. Thanks for uh, being here, Rich. Uh, thanks, thanks for, for having uh, me. for uh, you listeners out there. I We we do intend to address some other players. Uh, Seaver is a very popular player, but you may have a, a favorite player who's even more popular in your mind. And uh, I don't know that we're going to do every player in every sport, but we're going to do a bunch of them, and we're looking forward to doing that. So, again, thanks for your attention, and uh, until next time, so long.